Welcome to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast, the show by and for female millennial entrepreneurs who are building and running thriving, successful businesses while living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Alessandra Polina. Happy Wednesday, guys. This is just about the one-year anniversary of this podcast, which Actually, I should have double-checked before I said that. I'm going to double-check right now. I think it's true because it's also my birthday, and I remember that when I was getting the podcast ready to go, I wanted to launch it by my birthday, I think, because I that was just some kind of goal I had set for myself, and I feel like I had just barely got it launched according to what I was hoping for. So I'm pretty sure it launched either on or right before February 5th last year. And of course, now I can't find exactly the date of the first episode. So I should have looked that up before, but I think it is. So it's a one-year anniversary. It's happy birthday to the podcast. And it's also obviously happy birthday to me. So I'm recording this a few days in advance. So it feels funny to say that, but um, only a couple days in advance, although I haven't even thought about the fact that it's my birthday at all, which is funny because last year it felt like such a big thing. Last year I was turning 30, so I was thinking about it a lot in the weeks and even months <laughs> leading up to it and felt like I had to get everything done before it. And this year it just seems like no big deal at all. And I haven't even like really thought or considered about the fact that it's coming up in a few days or if you're listening to this today, that it's today. I mean, if you're listening to it live. So anyway, one year of doing this podcast, it's it's hard to believe, first of all, because it doesn't seem like that long at all. I think we've done, I feel like last week, yeah, I think we've done 31 episodes. Obviously, it didn't quite stick to exactly one every week. I took a little bit of a break. We had like a little summer break. And then when I guess, I don't know, some podcasts would have called it season two, but I just kind of continued right on with the next episode number and hoped nobody cared that I took a couple of weeks off in there. But it's gone really fast, but I think we've done some really good episodes and I've loved it so far. And I hope you guys have liked listening to it. It's been fun for me to get to see the listenership grow every you know, month or so. And it's been really awesome to see reviews come in on like the iTunes and the podcast apps, because that's really fun. Shout out to the one person who gave it a one-star review because there was bad audio in one of the first episodes and thought that that was the only thing you're reading the podcast on. But more shout out to everyone else who's left a nice review since then. And if you haven't, birthday gift to me. You can still go do that so that it helps more people find it. But anyway, I wanted to just do kind of a casual episode today as celebration for one year of the podcast, celebration of my birthday, and just open it up to a little bit of a behind the scenes Q&A session type of thing. As you may know, I do PR. That's what my business is. I have a PR business. And so I am spending my days getting other people out in the spotlight and I don't usually do much of it myself. So (laughs) it's not exactly natural for me to just talk about myself in general on this um, or like my stuff, but I have to, you know, practice what I preach sometimes, but more so it's like, I really 
find it interesting and fun when I hear podcast hosts that I listen to a lot do things like this. So I wanted to do it too. I know it can be funny kind of when you like listen to somebody talk every week about a certain like business topic or whatever, but you don't really know that much about them. So anyway, I opened up questions on like Instagram and at Female Millennial Entrepreneurs Facebook group in the last couple of weeks and let people submit questions about whatever they wanted behind the scenes stuff of the podcast, life, business, whatever. And um, I'm trying to organize them, try to organize them a little bit by like type of question. So first will be like the more personal ones, I guess. And then I think it'll kind of merge into the more work-related ones. I don't know. Everything is so, it's all the same <laughs> when it comes to me. It's all one and the same. I mean, nobody asked any super personal questions. It's like, you'll see. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, the the most things that people just asked about was to hear my story. And well, I guess the first two questions I'll just say that was like to hear my story, how I got started what and what I do and what that story is. And then also um, how and why I started the Female Millennial Entrepreneurs Group in Boston and then this podcast that came out of that. So I guess I'm prefacing with both of those questions because they will probably the answer will probably merge because my story leads into the female millennial entrepreneur group in this podcast. But anyway, so I well, I mean I guess that means my story in in terms of my business, right? So um someone well another question was how did I start doing PR? So okay, these are all like the same thing. I started in college. I went to Boston University and I applied for the school, the College of Communications. And that was because it was the only one where you did not have to do any math classes. I would like to have some really big lofty answer for you on this, but I applied to the College of Communications because it was the only school that did not have any required math classes at BU and out of most of the colleges I applied to. Um, no, I did apply to communications programs at a couple different schools. I knew I wanted to do something more communications related than like anything else. I always really liked writing, like, I guess what you would call creating content. Although back then I don't think that was really a term. <laughs> I had made family newsletters when I was like a kid or a tween, probably. I used to like use the desktop computer and like make newsletters. I would lay it out in what was it? Publisher probably at that time and do little articles about what's going on in the family and make like whatever little quizzes and whatever else would go in like a little, little magazine. And then I made them for my friends too. So I think that was kind of like something I knew I liked to do just for fun. And back then when I was applying for colleges, everyone was kind of like, you'd be crazy to do something to do with writing or journalism. Journalism's dead. Nobody's going to pay people to write. Nobody's going to, you know, magazines aren't going to exist. And so I wasn't thinking that was like a viable route, which obviously is not true. And like a lot of people do that, but I'm not the, I wouldn't have been the best at journalism. So I think it worked out for the best. But anyway, I applied for the School of Communications, not really knowing what exactly I was going to do. And in the first year, I guess you take general classes in like every kind of concentration that they have. And I ended up kind of liking the PR one the most and still didn't really 
know exactly, but I think then the next more like the other entry level PR classes kind of worked with my schedule and the things that I wanted to be doing the next semester. And I signed up for more and it just kind of made sense. I think it was more, it was less that I felt truly passionate about it. And after the first like class or something and more that like I kind of ruled out all the other things, <laughs> but, um, I ended up getting an internship after my first year of college, I think. So my first summer, I think was my first internship. And I think that's when I first started like really being like, yeah, this is definitely something I could do. Um, I got a lot of really, really good experience and just really saw everything firsthand and behind the scenes and just, you know, really was immersed in it for the first time. Like obviously in like, you know, PR 101 classes or whatever, you know, it's very general and it would not the same as actually seeing it working at a company. So I worked there um, that summer and then I think decided that was just like what I was going to do. <laughs> and I did a lot of other internships throughout college. I think I like always had an internship. So at least almost most semesters. And then I did a study abroad program spring of my junior year, I think. And that was in London. And as part of the study abroad program at BU, it's an internship program. So you actually only do like one or two classes while you're there, but you do like almost a full-time internship. So I interned at Disneyland Parks and Resorts based in London. And that was for all the parks and resorts in like Europe and I think Europe and the cruise lines that went like everywhere. So it wasn't like the Disneyland in the US, but it was like all the other ones and all the cruise lines. Anyway, so I had like all kinds of experience basically, like from like a huge company like that to a tiny company, like my first internship and some other small ones that I did after that. And I always really liked it. I didn't always love every internship experience, um, which is a whole different story, which is kind of how I decided I wanted to start my own company. But um, I really liked the PR side of things every, every time, everywhere, you know, I did one that was more like a high tech kind of B2B focused company. Um, you know, the PR company was doing that. And then, you know, some that was more like restaurants and hospitality. And then, as I said, like some in-house, like the Disney one. Um, so really ran the gamut and got a ton of experience. So then I don't know how long I'm supposed to make this part about my story. be. <laughs> It's almost done, really. I graduated college and I got the first, you know, the first job out of college. And it was, um, I always had thought that I would want to do nonprofit PR. That's kind of like what I had settled on. I thought I would probably want to be in house at an organization helping to promote it internally, you know, through PR, but like focusing, you know, all day long on one thing, like that one organization, not like with a bunch of clients, which is what I do now, like on the agency side. Um, so I applied to, well, I got this job at an organization, which seemed really exciting to me at the time. And it wasn't a PR focused job. It was technically like, it was basically, it was a very small organization. So I was like one of very few people who were going to be in like on the office side of things. Other people were like kind of more clinical and like therapists and stuff. And I was basically going to do all the communications, all the marketing, basically be like an assistant, the admin person, everything. Anyway, it ended up not being a great experience. And although I did get a lot of experience, um, but I was like wanting to get out of there very quickly. And what I did was I called up my person who owned the company, who's like my friend now, in who owned the company that I had done my first ever internship at. 
And actually I skipped part of the story because <laughs> I guess if we really go back while I was in college, I, I think I interned there again at one semester maybe. And then I also ended up working part-time while I was in school for like at least either one semester or one summer because the main person who worked there for him went on maternity leave and had a baby. So he had needed more help. So it ended up being a part-time job basically while I was still in college. So I'd worked there at least twice while I was in college, kept in touch, had a great relationship still. So I basically got in touch with him when I was hating my new job and was like, is there anything I can do for you? Because I don't want to work here anymore. And (laughs) I don't even have time to like apply for other jobs. Like I didn't know what to even do, but I was like, I need to get out. Like I'm quitting tomorrow basically. And it worked out perfectly that he did need help. So I started working for him again. Um, So this was a really small PR company again, where I got to like pretty much be doing everything and anything. And I was there I think not quite full time, but it was kind of casual. I was technically as an independent contractor, which again is relevant because that helped me start my own thing shortly after that. So I was back to working with him, doing a lot of like restaurants and hospitality PR and it was fun. You know, we're all around the city doing all really cool projects anyway. But then it just basically worked out where after I was there for a little while again, it was kind of like, okay, I could be doing this on my own. I could be doing this by myself. <laughs> and my, I don't know, you know, I mean, you all who are listening to this know, I was like, why am I working for someone else? Like I could be on my own schedule, running the business the way I want to, not complaining like, oh, he's doing it this way and things are going that way and I don't have the control, right? So my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time was like, well, why don't you just do it by yourself? Why don't you get clients that you know, can't afford to pay this company or wouldn't be a fit for this company or for whatever reason and like do them on your own. And so that is what I did. He set me up with um, a conversation with someone he knew who was opening a business and didn't know they needed PR. And I basically convinced them that they did and they hired me and the rest was history. But as I said, like, because I was already technically only an independent contractor and was pretty flexible with things, I was able to kind of take on a couple of clients while I was still doing some work at the initial agency and things like that. So it wasn't like a huge leap, I guess. That's one thing I was kind of like, feel like I need to preface. Like people are like, how did you take that leap from like to start opening your own business? And it wasn't really a leap for me. It was like a really, I don't know, slow slide away from one thing and more into another. And Yeah. So that's kind of my story, I guess. And I've been doing it ever since I was working from my house for a really long time. And back then I just, I don't know, I guess I didn't have a ton of clients and they weren't super like communicative clients. (laughs) Like we didn't have regular meetings. Like I feel like now I have meetings a lot. Like I'll have a whole day a week or like, you know, a meeting a couple days of a week of each week where there's like a meeting or like some reason to leave my office and like be out and about and like talk to clients and be out. And I feel like back then I sometimes would like meet with a client like once every two months or something. Like, I mean, like it was a lot of like email and stuff like that, but they were just not the type of clients who wanted to get together all the time. So I would literally go weeks without talking to anybody (laughs) in person or like without leaving the house, I guess. And that was really weird. And so that is where the group came from. I was like, all right, I got to get out of here sometimes. Like really what happened is I think really where it came from was that I met somebody that I went to high school with 
connected me with someone that he went to college with. And I can't even remember why. Like, I think he was just like, oh, you like, we both lived in Boston now. So maybe we had gotten in touch with each other because we didn't grow up here, but we both lived here now. So I think that's what it was. And he was like, you know what? You should get together with this girl I know who I went to college with because she also has her own business. And like back then we were, this was one year out of college. So we were like probably 22 or yeah, 22 or 23 or so. So there really weren't that many people. I didn't know anybody else my age who had a business. So he was like, you guys should get together. So we did. We like went on a blind date to get coffee together. And we just sat in the cafe and talked for like hours the whole afternoon, I feel like. And it was so refreshing to just talk about business, talk about like things we were struggling with, get ideas like we shared, you know, I, I mean, I don't remember any more of the specifics, but you know, systems we were using tools, we were using things like that because our businesses were similar enough that a lot, there was like so much overlap, but also it was just like, Oh my gosh, like these are what my client, like this is what my terrible client is doing lately. Like, isn't it awful when like clients like this don't pay on time, like just all the things. And it was so good to just talk like that. I just literally had not, talked to anyone like that about business. And so I was like, this would be really good to do regularly. This would be a nice thing to do more often. So I started looking for groups or like meetup opportunities with other people who have businesses and I couldn't find anything back then. There wasn't that much. And this was even probably before Facebook groups were really huge. So there weren't like, it wasn't like everyone and their mother had a Facebook group back then. So anyway, I started a meetup.com group and that's where the group itself came from. And then I started because that was like for in-person get togethers. And then it turned into a Facebook group because that's where people really hang out more. So it was easier to like post about events and getting together. Um, and that's how the female millennial entrepreneur Boston group got started. So we just started doing coffee meetups. And at first, I mean, at first nobody came and I probably did it like off and on for like maybe a year and like nobody really came. And then like, I wouldn't do one for like a couple months because it just felt like a waste of my time. I would like drive somewhere that seemed like it would be the most convenient for people and like sat there like in the middle of the day and just worked out of a cafe basically. But like, I didn't want to go there just for no reason. So sometimes I wouldn't do one for a while. And then I just like did one again at the very end of the year, maybe two years ago. And a couple, like this good, like great group of people came and I don't even know what it was. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. But like maybe four or five women came and they were all amazing and like so into it. And we just had the best time again. And just ever since then, first of all, those people have been like a core group now who just, we were just like, okay, if you guys will really all come next month, like let's just schedule it again right now. And if you guys just come, then I'll be happy. Like, I don't care if anybody else even comes, you know, if it's at least three or four of us. And that's what we did. And we kept doing that. And more and more people started coming and now like just people come every time. So, and we interact more on like the Facebook group and things like that. So that's where that started. And then the podcast, as I already said, started one year ago. And that came from just kind of the thought of, well, this group is amazing and I love the in-person connection we get, but like how lucky am I that I live in a city like Boston where there are other female millennial entrepreneurs, like where I can just put this out there on the internet and like people do come. And there are probably so many places where there just aren't as many people to connect with or for whatever reason you aren't getting out and doing those in-person things. So 
like, I wish I could share these conversations and share the inspiration that I get from talking with these other business owners and share it with more people. So that's where the podcast came about. I was like, let's just record a conversation and put it out there to share it with more people. And then of course, like it made sense to open it up to people beyond our local group. So do conversations with people all over the world who are female millennial entrepreneurs and get those, those stories and those perspectives and all of that. So that's where that came about. And yeah, that was really long. That was probably a whole episode by itself. Okay. So the only other personal question that someone left was really random. And it was, would you rather vacation in Hawaii or Alaska? (laughs) Which I'll answer because why not? That's fun. I would definitely rather go to Hawaii. I've never been to either, and I've never had any desire to go to Alaska. I would definitely want to go on a beach vacation to Hawaii. So in terms of work, someone said, actually, I think I know who said this. I posted on Instagram, the Trello board for my podcast, like where I organize the podcast stuff as the background of the question slide. And my friend Janet, who I also met through just being a female millennial entrepreneur um, who does the marketing for Trello. They're one of her marketing clients for her digital marketing company. Um, She said, I see you're on Trello and how do you use Trello? So I use it for, I use it for the podcast and I use it for communicating or keeping track of things with my assistant. I've tried to use it for like more like project management for my day-to-day tasks in business. And I actually didn't really ever make that work. Um, I have too many things that I need to like check off all the time or like move around so much. I actually use Asana for like my day-to-day kind of checklist and like client plans and things like that. But for Trello, I use it for things like this podcast where I have like a board for, or I have like a list for like all the episodes I'm planning to do, solo episodes that I'm trying to think of, things that for me to talk about by myself in the solo episodes and then episodes for interviews and the person who's going to be interviewed, the date it's going to go live, things like that, all the details. And then my podcast editor kind of moves everything around as she's dealing with it. Cause all I do is record these and then she does everything else. So <laughs> she puts, so then it gets moved to a new, um, Oh my gosh, what are those even called? It gets moved to a new, like not a new board. The whole thing is called a board, right? So it goes to like a new list when you well, when she's written the description and put in all the like details for the show notes, and then I can like check that and change anything that needs to be changed. And then she puts it into another, like slides it over to the next list when it's actually like ready to go, ready to be live, to go live. So we can see like which ones have need to be worked on, which ones have gone live, all those things. Then I also have one for my assistant who it's kind of like different things we're working on kind of different projects that she's helping me with. And that's more like, what are my to do's? What are her to do's? What are the tasks we've completed or want to kind of just have on the radar for later on, but are not necessarily things we're working on right this minute. So there's kind of like different lists that way and things move around a lot less than the podcast one. But yeah, there's all kinds of ways you can use Trello and it's pretty cool. I do have one client actually where we have a board too that they've invited me to like an overall marketing board that they use. And I just do the PR. So it's like kind of part of their marketing board. I honestly don't use it as much for like my day-to-day business. Okay. So now we're kind of moving a little more into like the work, a little more into like the PR focused work, which there were a lot of questions about, 
which is funny because people never usually ask that many questions. I always say, let me know if there's a question that I should like, you know, a topic I should touch on for one of the solo episodes where I usually talk about like business or promotion, like promoting your brand or marketing. Cause that's kind of what I can talk about easily. So the first one was what are common misconceptions in PR? And I think, oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, <laughs> I think one is that people, well, people don't always understand PR that much to begin with. A lot of people think PR is basically like paying for advertising. Like people think that it's like that you'll have to pay for it, like that you pay for coverage in a magazine or a newspaper. Obviously, you pay for PR if you're hiring a PR agency, but if you're doing it yourself, you're not paying for anything. It's totally free because that's what PR is. It's PR coverage is earned media or any kind of earned promotion. Like it doesn't have to be media. Like if you do like cross promotion with another brand or like something at an event or whatever, like that all kind of counts under PR. Although I usually consider, I usually talk, I'm talking about media coverage when I'm doing it or media relations. But yeah, it's it's always free. So that's one of the big misconceptions, I think. And maybe another one would be even people who do kind of more understand PR more and like have more of a grasp on what exactly it is and why they need it. But people still, I think, sometimes just expect immediate results. And I think, I guess that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that PR is going to be a quick trick. It's going to, you're going to get, you know, an article on your brand and then immediately like the sales are going to roll in. Not necessarily the way it works. Sometimes, yeah, that happens, but it's definitely more of a long game. It's definitely more about building your reputation, building your brand. And then you have to have a lot of other, you know, all your other marketing tactics kind of feeding in and working alongside of it that in order to actually turn these, you know, potential leads or whatever into customers. Um, and sometimes people think, oh, I'll just do PR. I have a lot of people, a lot of like brick and mortar businesses. They think they like, they'll just do PR. They won't do any other marketing. <laughs> and so there's a lot of education around that. Like, okay, but so if somebody sees you in a magazine, they're going to then look you up. They're going to look on your website. They're going to look on your social media. They're going to do something like you need to have a way to, to show them more information, to, you know, capture them and keep them. And that's how you then consult them. Okay. So someone said, Samantha from Sex in the City is my only other exposure to the life of a badass PR agent. Is it really so glamorous? Does that mean the only other exposure besides me? Like I am, I am some exposure to the life of a PR agent? Cool. Well, yeah. So I guess if it's just me and Samantha, then yeah, it's super glamorous. <laughs> um, I would say it totally depends. I'm, I feel like Samantha doesn't really do that much work on Sex in the City. <laughs> Um, she seems to do a lot of restaurant openings or some kind of launch parties that take place at restaurants, which actually I do too. So kind of, but there's definitely a lot more behind the scenes. I would say, honestly, I know they, I know they say Samantha is a PR, owns a PR agency. I think I always think that it seems like she really owns more of an event planning company. Cause literally it seems like her, the only things you see her do are throwing events or doing a, yeah, events. Um, which is a big focus for a lot of PR companies, but definitely not like the main thing for most people. An event is a really easy way, a really good and easy way to get exposure and get attention on a brand, especially like for a launch or something like that. It's a huge tactic. 
So there are a fair amount of events, but I would not say that's the bulk of it. There's a lot more behind the scenes stuff or behind the computer stuff that goes on day to day. And I think it can be kind of glamorous if you want to, if you want to make it that way. And it depends on your clients for sure. I mean, there's a lot of PR agencies that focus or like specialize solely in like high tech PR or healthcare PR, or I, I mean, any kind of like most kinds of like business, business stuff does not sound so glamorous to me, I would say. <laughs> and I would also say that most of the PR companies that I worked for were not glamorous at all. And partly because I think really what's glamorous and what's glamorous about Samantha and about most PR is being the business owner. I think it looked glamorous because she was the business owner. Because in most PR companies, you're sitting behind a computer, like, you know, with a whole team, and you're not even seeing like that end product of what you're doing. Like, most people aren't even being the people at the events. They're inviting people to the events. They're maybe even drafting up the invitations, but then they're emailing them off, maybe keeping track of the guest list, <laughs> maybe organizing a goodie bag. Okay. But only, you know, the owner of the company or like, or, you know, the account executive on that account is going to be doing anything fun at the party. Maybe the lower, you know, maybe the assistant account executives are going to come check in people at the door. But I would say there's a lot more that goes into it and a lot less of it is glamorous. It's again, I think mostly the business ownership part that you're probably attracted to because she gets to do what she wants. You get to make your rules and work with fun, glamorous clients if you want to. And I guess that is one of the best parts about PR is that you can work with really cool companies and you get that choice and you can make them some glamorous if you want, because that's what PR is. It's about the perception of how you're promoting something. If that's the personality of the brand. Okay. So I think we might have time for like two more. I do have a few more here, but I'm going to, so what, the one is how do you keep, how do you make and keep relationships with the media And then it says, it seems hard to get things published because there's so many moving parts to a magazine or publication. That is definitely true. And that's why the relationships come in handy. I mean, and again, it's like, it's not that you, so I I like to preach that you can do your own PR because you can, um, but you do have to make those relationships. And that's why a lot of people do just hire an agency because at an agency, you already have a lot of relationships just because you're doing it all the time day to day. The best part about like what I do and you know an agency is that we know writers. So so the best part about getting like the easiest way to get things published because there are so many moving parts is to have a relationship with the writer, the editor of different publications so that they can start to come to you as a source. So if I work with a lot of writers, especially in a certain industry, and they have a story coming out, but they need like one more quote for it or They want to do a roundup on, you know, certain topic or product type or something like that, or they're doing a big feature thing, but need, you know, they, whatever it is, they can come to me and, you know, they have a list of PR agencies and PR people and will say, you know, I'm working on this thing. Do you have anything that would make sense for this? Or even like, I'm, you know, doing a trend piece on this type of thing. Do you have anything that makes sense to go with that? And, and that way I actually act as a source for them. I act as a resource for them. Even if I don't even have a client 
at the time that fits in, I can help to find information or maybe I know somebody, you know, who would make sense to connect them to or whatever it is. So that's the best way to do it because then even though there are moving parts or they might be working on a super last minute thing or like, you know, at the last minute something fell through and they don't, they lost one of their interviews and they need someone else and they can, you know, they can, they can put out their feelers to the people they know and I can get back to them with something that would help fit. That's probably why people who have a PR agency end up in more articles than someone who doesn't, because yes, you can pitch your things as much as, you know, I could pitch it for you. Um, but you won't get those calls of, oh, I have something going live, you know, next week and I need another source for it. So that's one of the best kind of tricks for getting things published. It's not a trick, but that's one of the, that's, so if you say it seems hard to get things published because there's so many moving parts, it's because it is. Things are planned really far in advance, but then move really quickly and change really quickly. So that's one of the things is just having those relationships and being a source and being on top of that stuff and knowing what they're working on in advance. So they'll sometimes be like, oh, like for the March issue, we're working on stories about these things. And just being aware of like what the trends are and what they're working on can be really helpful in terms of them either pitching more clients that have to do with it or making sure clients are going to be like creating things or putting things out there that are kind of in line with the things that we know people are going to be writing about. But in terms of making and keeping the relationships, I mean, it's just like anything else. You can find ways to to find them, to find ways to actually meet them. Meeting somebody is obviously the best. Like if you can, if there are writers that you can meet in person in your city, go to events that the publication is hosting. They always usually do events or go to something where you think they might be and actually try to meet them. And if not, or if they're not local, it's so easy these days with social media. You can literally follow them on social media, find something. Most writers have at least some place that they are spending time on. It might be Twitter, which is always like my disclaimer. I know I feel like nobody uses Twitter anymore except for writers. So you might not spend time there yourself, but maybe you can purposely go on every once in a while to check in and see what these writers are up to, see what they're talking about, see what they're posting about, see what they're writing because they usually share stuff share like links on their Twitter Um, or it might be Instagram, whatever it is, like keep it a little bit professional, but, but don't be shy to follow them and interact with their stuff. They like to see that you're commenting on stuff that you are interested in what they're putting out there. They're people, right? Like if you write something and put it out there, you love to hear that someone read it and thought it was cool. Right? So it's the exact same thing. So just doing little check-ins like that can be really helpful just in terms of like making that relationship and keeping that relationship. And it's also about not only not only reaching out when you need something, right? So again, it's just like any other relationship. They're just people. Nobody wants to only be reached out to when you need something from them. So check in once in a while to let them know how much you loved an article that they just did. Or if something reminds you of them or something that, they, that you know they like, like shoot it over to them as an FYI or check in once in a while, maybe even just like seasonally, like, you know, happy holidays, you know. I hope everything's going well with you. Definitely like, you know, keep in touch. Let me know if there's anything you're working on in the next couple months that I may be able to help you out with. Something as simple as that, just to like be out there, you know, keep in contact to a certain extent. Yeah, those are really kind of the best things. And and I guess the only other thing I would say in terms of how I try to keep relationships is again, if I like maybe don't have anything relevant to pitch them for a while, 
it's just replying like again, replying like when they send me something, if they reach out and say, you know, I'm working on this and that, maybe I don't have anything at all. But just replying to the email sometimes and being like, oh, those sound really great. Like I'll let you know if I can think of anything relevant or, you know, trying to make a connection with somebody that I know or a business that I've heard of or some kind of relevant thing that I might not have any connection to, but it's just a good idea, you know, and it's just passing along those good ideas, especially if it's like something that maybe, maybe they don't have PR, you know, maybe they're, they're doing something on like, you know, a certain kind of store or something. And like, I know of a great store in my neighborhood that doesn't have PR. So this writer's probably never going to hear about it because nobody's, you know, putting it in front of them but I know it exists just from being nearby. So I'll be like, you know what? Have you ever looked into, you know, that store? Because it might work for this kind of story. And that's actually really cool. So just something like that, where it's like passing along information that might be good for them, might make something easier. It might make their story better. Even if I really have nothing to, to gain from it, like client wise. Um, okay. That was a long winded answer, which you guys know I'm good for <laughs> these days. Um, okay. So one more. Well, there's two. This one's quick. Have you ever wanted to be in-house PR for a celebrity or high-profile business? I have not. Well, I've not ever wanted to do PR for a celebrity. As I think, I meant, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, I had kind of thought I was going to do nonprofit PR at first. I definitely wanted to feel like if I was promoting something, it would be really things that I feel strongly about or like things that I felt like were helping to make the world like better in some way, something that's really like making a difference in people's lives. Like I didn't want to ever feel like I was just like pushing things on people for no reason or promoting something I didn't care about or, you know, feel strongly about. So I guess I never thought celebrity was like my realm. A high profile business. I don't know. I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe like a biz, I don't know what that would mean. I guess I definitely would do PR for a high profile business. Something that has a big, is already a big brand or is out there a lot. I think that would be totally different. Like if it's a business that is something that I believe in. And just because it's a already high profile would not be a reason for me to not want to work for them or to, oh, oh, to be in-house. Is that the question? Maybe. I don't know. I think I have wanted to be in-house for for a big business. I guess maybe that's what I meant. I have, I think in the past, I think I definitely prefer to be, have multiple clients. I don't like to do the same thing all day long every day or like focus on the same like one. Like I really like that I get to do all different types of industries, all different kinds of people that I'm working with. I think it would be hard to go in-house after having been an agency, I guess we'll just say. But yeah, in the past, I did think that I might want to do that. And okay, so the last one is, how do you tease the story out of a client who has a boring business? Well, I would say the other best thing about owning your own agency is that I try not to work with clients who have boring businesses. I try to, as I said, work with clients who I really like and who I think are doing really cool things because that's what makes it interesting for me. Not that I think that boring businesses don't deserve PR to be like out there as much as anything else. There are some boring businesses that are very important and I don't put them down at all. But from my business standpoint, I want my day-to-day business to be exciting too. So I guess I would probably shy away from something that's too boring because I want my work to be fun. But I mean, that being said, there are like, you know, there are boring businesses that are offering great things. And sometimes you actually can do fun PR things with a boring business. So I guess it depends on how you look at it or 
how we're reading into that. <laughs> if it's like a boring business because they don't want to do anything fun and because like they're boring people who own it and like, and they're doing boring things and they don't want to do like anything interesting, then that's one thing. I would say how to tease the story basically out of like anything or out of anyone who, yeah, maybe the business doesn't feel very glamorous or they're not like doing anything too exciting. It's really just finding the interesting story there. There usually is an interesting story. And again, if I really truly didn't feel like there was, then I probably wouldn't take them on as a client just because again, it sounds like it would be boring to work with them. <laughs> but the story is usually making it more personal, right? The more the most interesting story is usually the most personal side of things that you can get and that you can access and share. Obviously, the personal stuff's not always something you should be sharing, but finding like the story behind why they started the business, the story behind the business owner and you know why they're doing what they're doing, that's usually that's usually the most interesting aspect of a story, right? So it's just about talking to them. It's about asking the right questions and helping them think about things, maybe even in a way that they've never thought about before. And getting to that piece of it, that piece of why are they doing this? Like there had to be some reason that they started this business. And there's probably something kind of personal there that you can connect with and that you can then create stories around. And it may be the personal side of them and it may be the personal side of whatever they're doing. So, so how is whatever their boring business doing? How is that connecting with other people? right? And how is that changing changing people's lives or doing something different than how other people are doing it? And even if it's kind of a boring business, if they're doing something different than everyone else in their industry, that's where you can make an interesting story. What is standing out? What is making them do something different? Like what is their actual reasoning behind that? Or like the place that they came from to get there and to get that differentiation or yeah, that's usually like conversations around that, trying to figure that out, asking the questions, having people just talk. Like sometimes it's really important to just talk with the client and let them say as much as they can possibly say and then figure out from there. Like there's always something, there is always a story. So it's just getting them to open up as much as possible, make it really personable. Usually at first, like if they're really just the type of person who has trouble even like telling you much, like you, they just want to tell you the straight facts of the business. It's just sitting down in person probably and just having a conversation and making it less like, okay, here's a business interview. So I can get all the details of your business and like the behind the scenes of the brand and more just like, okay, let's talk about this. Like, but let's talk about life. Let's talk about ourselves. Like what is, you know, who are you? What is this? And keeping it really broad there and seeing where the conversation goes. Cause that's usually where you can get something from. Okay. So that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I do have like two more here, but I think this is getting, that'll be too long. So <laughs> if you have any other questions, definitely send them in. I think actually this was kind of fun. And even though I feel like I ended up talking a lot about just like PR and business, and maybe you're not interested in that. I'll do another one of these if people ask more questions. So feel free to send questions via email or on the Instagram page. You can even DM them or on my Instagram. So you can send it to the podcast Instagram, which is female millennial entrepreneurs or to my Instagram, which is Polina PR, P-O-L-L-I-N-A-P-R or online at polinapr.com. There's a podcast 
page and there's a form there where you can submit questions or comments or anything. So you can always add questions there. So I would definitely do one of these again if we get like more questions again. And I don't know, maybe in less than a year, right? I don't know. (laughs) Maybe for, maybe when we hit episode 50, maybe episode 50 will be Q&A again. If people think it's interesting. Okay. So happy birthday to the podcast. Happy birthday to me. And definitely connect somewhere just to say hi. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the Female Millennial Entrepreneur Podcast so you won't miss the next episode and leave a review on iTunes with your favorite takeaway from this episode. Also, don't be shy to get in touch with me or anyone you heard on the show. We're all about connecting and our Instagram handles and other links are always in the show notes and we're always happy to hear from you with thoughts, ideas, or even suggestions of someone you'd love to hear me talk to on the show. You can also submit guests online at polinapr.com slash podcast. Lastly, please drop a comment on the post for this episode on the podcast Instagram at Female Millennial Entrepreneurs to let me know you listened. Tune in next time.